welcome to episode 13 of Wise Choice, an official Wise Music podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Adam. And I'm Paula, and we're the Daydream Club. We've got a really good, really good episode today. Uh, it's something that I really enjoy. It's like covers. Yeah. So, oh, I've, been, I've, been, I've had fun with this one, because we, what we're going to be doing is kind of uh, playing the original and talking about that, and then following that up with... A, a cool cover or one of the most popular covers or... yeah or one of the ones that like a lot of people often think that the covers are the originals or you know the one that they've grown up with is yeah. the original one but it's always interested to sort of go back and see the see where it started yeah. Or, yeah i mean there's so many on here i'm like oh i didn't realize that wasn't, wasn't i the original. do that all the time i really do i'm really guilty of doing that um, fun. so let's dive yeah. in so the first one's great as well. Oh I my absolutely gosh. absolutely love this track. It's such a good track. Um, so the track we're going to look at is Have Love Will Travel. And straight away, just saying that title, one version will pop into your head. Yeah, I'm sure like everyone will have their different version. But for me, it was a different one from the original. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to kick off with the original track. Yeah, so the original, <laughs> whether you knew it or not, was actually by a guy called Richard Berry, and the Pharaohs released in 1959. Yeah. Um, wow. The title is based on a popular TV radio Western serial called Have Gun Will what? Travel oh, from I didn't know 1957. That. Just a little factoid there. That's fun. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. So he's got love instead and he's willing That's to travel. Yeah. Have, have love is better than have gun. Yeah. I, I, I like prefer that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's do more of that. <laughs> so Richard Berry is probably best known as the composer and original performer of the now rock classic, Louis Louis. Oh my gosh. I just read ahead as you were talking <laughs> yeah, that out and that's fun. really good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a little excited face. That's a great track. I know, isn't it? So it's apparently one of the most recorded songs of all time. Really? Wow. Yeah, but Berry received little financial reward oh, until no. the 80s, having signed away his rights <gasps> to the song in 1959. How did they fix that in the 80s? Well, then? luckily, this was put right in the 1980s thanks to a drinks company wanting to use Louis Louie and then Barry became a millionaire. I wonder how though... So if he decided... So I think the they rights. tracked him down and... Yeah, but if he didn't own the rights, how why, how would he... You think it's a perform the performance fees? Like he was it might have like been. PR, I, I couldn't quite get to the bottom of how it all come about, but they basically tracked him down and um, and kind of sorted it oh, out. Oh, that's really nice that's yeah that's good use of sync then if yeah, we can exactly, write right. those wrongs uh we like that yeah that is a great track though to be fair he deserves to be a millionaire with i know that i know because um, i think he wrote that and have love will travel when he was kind of quite i think he was quite desperate for money at the yeah. time hmm. obviously to then sell the rights away and stuff yeah. so um i, I hope uh, the covers of have love will travel have done well from as well then because i know that's been yeah. used on adverts too yeah so that was in the 80s and uh you know he'll have then received money yeah for nice cool it's all right he became a millionaire okay. it's a happy yeah, ending that's happy why ending. i included it because <laughs> it makes me sad when you know writers have been cut out but, yeah you know it's all worked out in the end for him nice shall we kick off then with the uh the, so original? the original yeah and uh Yes, yeah, let's just do it. I'll let you hear it first. So, Have Love Will Travel by Richard Berry and the Pharaohs. <laughs> I'll be 
Yeah, so that's the original. It's yeah. kind of got a, a doo-wop you know, yeah. vocal group feel to it. And that's not the one that I know. Not at all that's... the one I know. I had no idea that was the original. Um, and that's what I love about this. It's that's really great, cool. isn't it? Yeah, we're shining a light. Yes. Um, um, but we it, are. Gonna... You can hear the at the core <laughs> of it there. It's you know it's a cool track, but I, I like what this next band did with it. Yeah, me too. Um, so which is the, so the one that I knew of Have Love Will Travel is the one that we're going to play next. Um, it's by the Sonics. But what I didn't know is that was recorded in 1965. I know, is it? Flipping heck! Like it's amazing. It's got like a bit I of a timeless energy yeah. to it, hasn't it? I mean, the, if you listen to the production, you could, you know, there's telltale signs that it's an older recording because it's very like distorted and stuff. Um, but it's raw and it's that raw energy that made it feel actually for me really modern. Um, I don't know. It's just awesome. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a big sound. And, and what's interesting about the production. So um, the edgy sound has been cited as an influence on punk ah. and garage rock. Um, and um, it's also been named as inspirations to the White Stripes and LCD yeah, sound yeah, system. But what, what I find interesting, I found this interview with Kurt Cobain, mm. and he said in, in the interview that the Sonics recorded very, very cheaply on a two-track. <laughs> and if you don't know what a two-track is, if you think nowadays, you know, you have... Yeah. Unlimited amount of inputs and microphones and you a huge an eight track back desk. in the day. I mean, we've, we've got, I don't know how many, just in our home studio. Yeah. Um, when I was doing my GCSEs, we would record on a four track, <laughs> yeah. which was four tracks and a tape. So you could have four mics or two mics and two guitars. These are recording on a two track. Wow. That recording, the famous recording is on a two track. And one of those mics would be on the drums. Oh my gosh. Just one mic on the drums. Wow. Just so, think about that a minute. And, and I like and what Kurt Cobain said as well, because he points out there's one mic over the drums and then they got that amazing drum sound that he's, it said, he said it's the most amazing drum sound he's ever heard and still to this day, it's his favourite drum sound. Yeah, so that's what one he said. Mic. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. I mean, that's really opened my world. I'm going to try and experiment with restricting oh wow that's hard it makes me think okay that's possible you don't have to have a mic on every single thing which is what we do I now i think again though as well it's like testament to a really good song um yeah definitely a good song at the core of it but, but their great sound which they were famous yeah. for and that recording which i've never thought oh that drum sounds a bit lesser that's not you know that could be a better recording no. it doesn't no. it sounds like an aspirational drum sound yeah. that you want to get and yeah. it's one mic and then the rest of the band are recorded with the other mic. Oh my gosh, it's so good. That's um, mad, isn't it? We need to play it, we need to play it. I know, that uh, just blew my mind. I was really excited about that. And, yeah. and to find Kurt Cobain talking about it as well, it's just so cool. Yeah. So we'll let you listen to it now. Have listen, love. Listen, to the, yeah. listen to this and just picture that there's just two mics on the case here. Have Love Will Travel by The Sonics in 1965. <laughs> Just to find 
It's just so raw. It is, isn't it? It's good to raw. The performance is like, oh, just up there. Yeah. I don't know. That is amazing. And the fact that that was 1965 has absolutely blown my mind. Yeah. I mean, you could presume it was from that era, but then it also could sound like it's been done now. I don't know. I think it's just. I don't know. Actually, it's, it's, it's been covered loads well, as well because the Black Keys did it as well. Yeah, you could really hear them really doing it, couldn't you? That's a really good question as well, actually. Um, but it's just, I think, again, it's such a timeless song. Like, it's such a, it, the writing. Do you know what I mean? Both the music and the lyrics. <laughs> the way you delivered that oh, then. I know. You made me think of uh, Star Trek. It's such a timeless <laughs> song. Oh, my gosh, right. I'm being there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> what's his name? I can't think of his name right now. Um, That's Captain, bad, isn't it? Captain name? Kirk. That's it. There we go. Okay. It was a little bit Captain Kirk. Um, I didn't mean to. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's such a time. A song. Anyway. Anyway. Um, um, moving on. Yeah. And the the next one <laughs> sorry. is great as well. I'm really excited about this episode. You probably can tell that we're both a bit excited about it. Um, but yeah, so I don't even know how to bring this one in because... The title isn't even quite what you think it was. No, it has. It, yeah. So the title of the track that you know or will definitely know is Superstar. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's a version of it that you would definitely think of when you say Superstar. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know was that that wasn't the original. The original? This is the yeah. original that we're going to be showing next. And the title was originally Groupie Brackets Superstar. Yeah. By Delaney and Bonnie, released in 1969. Oh, your belly just rumbled really loud then. Getting Um, time, lunchtime. (laughs) Um, So it was written by Bonnie Bramlett and Leon Russell, with a songwriting credit also going to Delaney Bramlett. Um, And uh, yeah, so it was originally titled Groupie Superstar. And uh, according to the internet, (laughs) Rita Coolidge came up with the song idea based on observing female groupies' relationships with rock stars of the late 1960s. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I don't I really think, think about really, that when I'm well, listening to the version I'm thinking of. It makes me think of uh, the film Almost Famous as well. I do yeah. think there was like a... I don't I don't think it's like that anymore. I don't know. Maybe it is still like that. But like you watch films like that and it feels like there was a certain era where that was really prevalent and like yeah. it would be a really interesting observation obviously to make and write about. I think today um, it's not just about male rock stars anymore, though it's no. more across the board of and, all and, kinds of and people. Is there like mega, mega stars like there was back then as well? I don't know. I don't know. I bet, I bet there's some. Well, yeah, there are. How about Harry Styles has got yeah. a few followers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I reckon, I reckon there's some, some serious followers out there still. But anyway, that's what it was written about. Um, and if, if you might not be, it might not be coming to you what the track is right now, but as soon as you hear it, I, I'm really excited to play it for you to have that like moment of ah oh, yeah it's yeah. that uh, yeah and I kind of don't want to give away who's covered I know it we'll yet. get to that yeah. um, I so don't think we should I think we should play the original first features Eric Clapton on lead guitar as well yeah. which is just a cool little extra factoid I didn't yeah I didn't know that actually um, 
Yeah, so. As if you just sort of swept I, past well, that. I didn't know I that. wasn't sweeping. I was trying to get it in, but okay. you just Sorry, you I just wasn't sure. talking. Got gab on. Right, yeah. so this is Groupie Superstar by Delaney and Bonnie. go oh my gosh well that's the original so i didn't know that i had no idea i had I'd no not, idea I, i'd not heard of delaney bonnie and delaney um before and since you've played that to me that's become like one of my all-time new favorites i've been listening to it almost daily yeah and, and like exploring what other stuff they've got just amazing i just love i really I really love that version the mm. the harmonies that come in in that chorus yeah. i mean we i know we're suckers for harmonies but that's that's not present on the famous no. cover or, or the brass or the the performance is so different it's, it's got that little bit more of a edge. soul edge yeah. to it, hasn't and it i think that's for me, what it is and that, that's love absolutely that, just it's smashing it out of the park i'm I just know, like I know. i'm yeah. all over that right now <laughs> yeah. all over groupie bracket superstar that yeah. Is, yeah so you should definitely go and when you finish listening to this go and check out that that full track because it's it's just great yeah but we'll move on to arguably one of the most famous cover versions of that track mm. uh, by The Carpenters. Yeah. Um, and they changed the name to just Superstar. And they, when they gained, the song gained massive exposure and became very popular mm. when The Carpenters covered it. Um, and apparently in a story as well, I read that Richard Carpenter became aware of the song after watching Bette Midler sing the song on The Tonight Show in oh, 1971. Bette, Bette Midler could do that well, actually. Yeah, it probably could. I'd but like again, to, I like, do, I I like the harmonies of like, the Crosby, Stills and Nash almost element of Delaney yeah, and but I don't know, it's the, it's the passion in the, the vocal performance of it. Like that I could really actually now imagine Bette Midler doing because um, the lyrics are great. And, yeah. if, you know, if you're actually feeling them, then I, I don't know. I think that's a whole different level. Uh, it's interesting. It's really so interesting. on the Carpenters recording, so there's an interesting story about that as well. It was recorded with the Wrecking Crew, which is a famous collection of LA session musicians, including they were the house band for Phil Spector. Wow. But they did loads of stuff. Mm. They were on everything. I wonder if they're on our uh, Phil Spector Christmas. Maybe. Uh, yeah, they might have been. They were like the in-house band for a while, right, and yeah. but they've been on all sorts. But anyway... The track was finished in one take. The Carpenters one? That Carpenters track is one take. Oh, that's pretty cool. I yeah, mean, that just good. shows how good they are as well, yeah. the wrecking crew. Yeah, 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 yeah. They all came in, probably discussed it a bit. All right, okay, okay. Press record. Go. Boom. Yeah. Done. Nice. Nice. I mean, that's interesting when you listen to it then and you're like, oh, wow, that's just that's just one moment in time. Mm. I do like that and I think that's lost a bit with modern recordings that 
real musicianship uh, people in a room performing yeah. a one-off yeah thing. actually yeah. interacting listening to each other feel like going off each other i don't know rather than just like i record my bit i'll send you my track here you record your bit over the i like that as well though like because there's an efficiency up, to that that's opened up worlds where you know like volcano choir they yeah. i read stories that they record they're in different parts of the world mm. but they were sending each other just little snippets yeah and then by the end you've got this whole jigsaw of a song that and you can together, collaborate I with i was gonna well. say you can collaborate with people that you wouldn't otherwise be able to collaborate with which then takes you know music to a different place but you know there is something nice there, about yeah there's definitely something you know, interesting this. about knowing that in that moment in time those group of musicians were in a room yeah. all recording and that's what was you're captured. hearing and that's what you're hearing you I can quite picture like it then yeah i like that so to to fit in with the carpenters brand uh, they obviously changed the title Richard also changed a lyric in the second verse oh. from And I Can Hardly Wait to Sleep With You Again to the less suggestive And I Can Hardly Wait to Be With You Again. Okay. It's kind of just made it a bit watered more it down a bit, made it a bit more open to everyone. <laughs> again, I think why I'm liking groupy super Steered away from the groupy part oh, and made it yeah. more just uh, kind of a little more general. Mm, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, personally... Yeah. Now I've found the original. Delaney and, and That's yeah, I like amazing. that a lot. It's great. But it makes sense, doesn't it? I suppose to make something quite radio friendly. Um, yeah, definitely. And it, and it obviously definitely worked because that's what made it become brand. a massive hit. Yeah, it definitely suited the Carpenter's brand to be a little bit. What's interesting though as well, the the texture of the, the, the female voice, mm. they both sound so similar. Yeah, they do. Only uh, Karen obviously doesn't do like, I don't feel like she goes the, the for it quite as, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, the vibrato and the tone is the kind tone of similar. The tone is really, yeah. So, and the, yeah, the delivery of the, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> we'll stop talking about it, let's just not play it. it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So this is um, Superstar by Carpenters, released in 1971. Love. Before the second show Now then, okay. just uh, <laughs> to keep this one going, it's a cover of a cover of a cover. Um, to, we've, we've added another one into the mix because there's just so many good versions mm. and this one's so different to the other two. Um, we have to do I it. I love it, yeah. yeah. And we've included the full version of this one because for those of you who haven't heard it, it's it's a good one. It's a good one, it's yeah. It's cool. So this is Superstar by Sonic Youth, released in 1994. And it was recorded for the tribute album, If I Were a Carpenter. Mm. I came across this version anyway in the film Juno. Yeah. And uh, loved it ever since anyway. It's got such a different sound to the other one. Mm. Um, what, what I did find interesting was on a 2009 NPR broadcast, Richard Carpenter expressed his <gasps> distaste for no. this version. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I guess it doesn't fit his aesthetic. You know, Richard's got... 
there's a certain way he likes things to sound. He's very Quite particular. A classical type, like uh, clean. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, he had a vision, and it was the sound of the carpenters. Yeah, you say he has a vi- yeah, okay, it was, but it's not his song. Like no, but I mean, so he did that song in the way he yeah. heard it, how yeah, it yeah, should yeah. be. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. And he, I think he was quite—I don't want to say controlling, but I think he, yeah. he liked to have ha- control yeah, of yeah, how yeah. things would be. Um, <laughs> I don't want to say controlling, but control. It's a different way of putting it, and somehow <laughs> that sounds better. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, I like if you've control. got yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he, you, yeah, he liked to oversee. It. You want it how you're imagining it, or how you're hearing it, in yeah. And this is so different yeah. to what I imagine his audio palette yeah. consists of. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's cool, though. It's it really is cool. cool. Um, um, and it might not be for Richard, but I think it is still for a lot of other people. Uh, yeah. Quite a, a nice take on it. Like, not nice. Cool. I don't know. Yeah, just a different take on it. Yeah, definitely. It kind of taps into the darker side, maybe moving into the groupy side of it again. Anyway, yeah. A bit grungy. The underbelly mm. of the song rather than the polished top side of it um mm. but anyway we're gonna play the whole of this because i just think it's great so this is superstar by sonic youth Don't you remember you told me you love me, baby? 
So I think if this was a radio show, this would be the point where I'd ask you to ring in or text in to let us know which is your favourite out of those uh-huh. three. Because I think they're quite, they're they're quite so different, different. And I'd be, interest- well, it'd be interested to know how divided people are or not. Maybe people are in agreement. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, the original, for me, I am loving. Uh, the Carpenters was quite a close copy of that i'd say like a uh, yeah and then that one was really unique which i i really liked i really enjoyed that yeah i think um, I, at the di- time i would have said um sonic youth but actually having just recently discovered the original yeah. that, that's my favorite right now mm. it's got it's got something yeah and for it to be you know from the writers as well it's kind of cool yeah yeah like so that. it makes no difference no. <laughs> whether, which one's up i just thought yeah i'm curious yeah. um so moving on Next track is Unchain My Heart. Oh yeah. my gosh. A great tune. Yeah. So good. There's so many good versions of this. Um, the first one we'll start with is the original, which was um, first recorded in 1961 wow. by Ray Charles. Mm. And I do love this version. I've always loved Very this track. Very open, bouncy. I just and... love Ray Charles, though. Like, yeah, definitely. it's it's just got such an amazing voice. Um, I just, yeah. I've always Everything said about... if I could have a voice, it, have it, a would, voice? it would be his. Yeah, a yeah, good yeah. voice. I mean, yeah. if I a really could pluck anyone's vocal cords out and plop it in mine. Oh, that'd be nice. Um, but you know, keep dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be happy with what you've got, anyway. Um, so the song was written by Bobby Sharp, and it's quite an interesting like whole backstory with this. Okay. As I was delving into it, you wouldn't think it as well because the song's so bouncy and so. Well, that was very of a time to deliver like songs with serious message because we've talked about this. I know we have. I mean, Motown did it all yeah, the time, like a, a sad song but with an upbeat or so reggae as well. <laughs> yeah, and this was no exception. This is the same. But so, according to Sharp, um, "Unchain My Heart" saved his life. Mm. Um, so it's quite a full, a full tale of how it actually ended up doing that. But he reportedly wrote the song while junk sick in his parents' Harlem apartment while they were watching TV in the next room. Um, junk sick, obviously on drugs. I yeah. think if he if he skimmed over that term there, yeah. um, he sold the song the next day for fifty dollars oh, no. and then bought drugs. Oh no! Um, and he sold the song to Teddy Powell, who also took half um the the writing credit as well okay which is a bit that happened a lot didn't yes it, i mean this this whole story seems to happen a lot in the mm. past um so bobby left the music business around 1968 when he went to work at the metropolitan hospital in new york counseling Ooh. addicts oh wow okay that's and good. he says in his own words i went in the hospital a patient and came out a staff member wow which is quite cool <laughs> that's really it? cool I mean, yeah that's nice that's nice guy Anyway, then years later, he managed to regain his rights. <gasps> yes. And then soon after that, Joe Cocker decided to cover it, which oh, became wow. a hit and renewed the popularity of the song. Oh, Bobby Sharp, I'm happy for you. I That's know. nice. I wonder but this whole story, the rights. I did it, it, did it? Did you find any information on how that happened? Or? Uh, well, he set up his own uh, publishing company, I think, at some point, um, or song management company. I can't remember exactly, but wow. Again, I was I was just happy that it ended happily for him and yeah, he got his rights back. Really so good. I didn't delve too far into no, it. I was just happy for him. Don't want to find out anything else. Just leave it on a positive I note. I don't want to know the ins and outs. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it all worked out well. Awesome. Um, so let's play the original by Unchain My Heart, Ray Charles. Unchain My Heart. Unchain my heart. Baby, let me be. 
Cause you don't care about me You got me sort of like a pillowcase But you let my love go to waste So unchain my heart Oh please, please set me free Unchain my heart Baby, let me go Unchain my heart Cause you don't love me Always love that version. I really love that track. It's great track. Yeah, the groove on that's so cool. With the kind of percussive drums, it's awesome. Yeah. So we're going to move now to the Joe Cocker version. Yeah. So we already kind of mentioned that one, didn't we? So that was released in 1987. It sounds so 80s as well. It does. Like when we just listened to the Ray Charles version, when we play this. That was 1961. Yeah. When we play this next one, the 87 Joe Cocker version, like you can already hear the the changes uh, (laughs) in music and in music production, and yeah. So I was reading. So Ray Charles is apparently a big influence on Joe Cocker, which you can kind of hear actually. He's got more of a like a gravel. Sounds like he's. He's had a lot more smokes or something. Smokes, <laughs> smokes where am I from? <laughs> Cigarettes. Uh, but, you know, that, I love his voice as well. It's got so much energy. Um, I didn't know he was from Sheffield. Oh, Did you? No, I didn't know that. No clue. Um, I also read that in Australia, his version was used to advertise the introduction of the goods and services tax. What's the goods and services tax? I don't know. I just thought that's so not rock and roll, but, you know, it's just kind of funny, heart. isn't it? I wonder. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. We'll have to try and find find whatever that was, what that <laughs> advert was, because that's. Uh, I'm curious about stuff like that. I yeah. like like sync placements and uh, where things have been used. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I also, <laughs> it doesn't sound rock and roll. So I didn't really know a lot about Joe Cock, actually. So he... He was a gas fitter for the East Midlands Gas Board what? while simultaneously trying to pursue a career in music. Oh, that's cool then. I'm really pleased it happened. And he got there. Because yeah, he's got a great he voice. Was, he, our little little region, if we'd have been around in the 80s, like when he was a gas fitter, he that's could have it, been coming maybe. around sorting our boiler out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, Fun. good for him for making it happen, I guess. That's um, a few people who had other careers that have sort of then p- gone off and pursued yeah. the dream. Well, more often than not, you're, you're taking a job to try and support the ultimate job. Yeah, yeah. Which is hard as a musician, it really. That you always have this, you're saving this spot for the ultimate job, which ha- kind of holds you back a bit on, you could probably be very happy doing just another job. Well. But you can't ever yeah. fully commit yourself because you're just thinking, but. You know, I'm good at this. I can do music, or no, you know, yeah. That's it's a hard line to walk. It is a hard line to walk. Yeah. So it's interesting to read when people. It's have, great when there's success yeah, stories. Definitely, that's really nice. I think um, you know the band Guillemots. Yeah, this was another one that springs to mind. They were a cruise band. Like ah, they, they did on music ships? on cruise ships. And well, they, that's kind of relevant to get still, I suppose. Dream. Although it's also hard oh, it's because not. you're doing other people's songs. That's and if it. You, it's if not you're an dream. original, yeah. If you're writing original music and you want people to hear that. It's a great job. Yeah. You know, we've done weddings as well. Yeah, it is yeah. a great job, but it's not the dream of if you want to create. And, yeah, make it. And music. that's your thing. Then. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. Tangent, sorry. Tangent, uh, yeah. Back sorry. on well, Joe Cocker. That's the whole point of this podcast, isn't it? Tangents <laughs> yeah. and music. That's <laughs> yeah. what we should have called it. It's all it. music related, it's fine. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, let's play it. Let's play the uh, Joe Cocker Unchained My Heart version from 1987. Unchained my heart. Baby, let me go. Unchained my heart. Cause you don't love me no more 
So as with Superstar,、mm. we were looking for that extra different kind of version yeah, of、so、Unchain we, My Heart. We, we played the Sonic Youth one in full, didn't we, for the Superstar、yep. version, which is really cool because it's a totally different take.、Um, And、uh, yeah, it we, just so happens that <laughs> that very different version is us. <laughs> yeah, is us. <laughs> so we've got we've <laughs> we got a cover、one. of Unchain My Heart, and maybe that's partly why we've included it in this podcast to cover, but. At the same time, we did always love Ray Charles's version. Yeah, and it's hard when you really like like a track, and it's not even like it's an unknown track. It's a massive hit, isn't、yeah. it?、Um, it's really hard, I think, to approach covering a track like that.、Um, so we thought, if we are going to do it, we want to do it different. We don't just we don't want to keep was, too true. I think that was part of the draw for us.、Yeah. So we've always loved Ray Charles's track and that kind of upbeat groove and everything.、Mm. And、But、I we think do like, it was the challenge. Yeah, we like remixing things as well. How could we turn that on its head?、Well. So yeah, giving something a bit of a different sound.、Um, so for us, we we definitely like honed in more on the lyrics, and I think we felt like there was a bit more weight to them that we wanted to maybe emphasize. Yeah, yeah to draw out. So rather than trying to hide the lyrics in an upbeat, jaunty track,、mm. we've fully embraced. The lyrics. I think we were watching like a lot of Killing Eve. We were watching we a lot were, of serious stuff、yeah. as well at that time. And there's time, quite、so、a think,、yeah. moody vibe on Killing Eve, so I think we were that was tapping into us、yeah. a bit, kind of a bit minimalist, but then not really minimalist as well. Yeah.、Um, but yeah, we just we, we looked through because there is a lot of versions of Unchain My Heart out there,、mm. and actually all the ones we could find were kind of upbeat and really followed the same sort of tone as Ray Charles、mm. and Joe Cocker.、Mm-hmm. So we tried to put something out there that is just not that. Yeah. Exactly. And hopefully we have. Hopefully you like it. I'm personally quite proud of the p- a the BVs. I、yeah. think they turned out well. <laughs> It's all、really、just、nice. us doubled up and doubled up and doubled up. Yeah. We, we Choir of、uh, Adam and Paula. Yeah. And、uh, personally, for the, me, the I think the production. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like I've got very a lot of respect for what Adam's done with the production on this. I, I really think he's nailed it. Oh, thanks.、Um, yeah. I, I didn't know whether you were going to mention it yourself, and I thought it would be better coming from yeah, me. Yeah, it is better. Yeah, <laughs> any compliment is better coming from someone else rather than bigging yourself up. It's true, though. No, it's actually good. Yeah.、Um, so we're going to play that. We're going to play our own version because we can because it's our podcast. We're going to do it, <laughs> and we're going to play it in full. <laughs> <laughs> But we hope you like it. Yeah, we do.、Um, I hope it's you know because this is something you probably haven't heard. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully you'll add it to your own playlist and enjoy it now. So this is "Unchain My Heart" by the Daydream Club. Unchain my heart. Please set me free. 
Bring us round to our last song. Our last, last song. Set of covers. Set of last covers. cover songs. Our last <laughs> last couple of tracks that it got covers. <laughs> <laughs> our last song say. and cover version of it. There we yeah, go. We're it. doing our that. That's what we're doing with. Of song and cover. You, you know what we're doing anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the last one. Okay. So it's a beautiful second one last as well. One, so this brings us, we're going back to 1962. Yeah. And the track is The End of the World oh, by Skeeter Davis. Such a good such track. Such a classic. And I think really well known. I think that a lot of people know the original for Th- that's this. That's it. You say yeah, that. I think so. I mean, there's a lot of versions of it. But yeah, I think when you think of that song and that title, I reckon it's you'll this hear recording the that you're one, imagining. Yeah. Um, so mm. it was written by composer Arthur Kent and lyricist Sylvia D especially for Skeeter Davis. Mm. Um, and they also wrote the song Bring Me Sunshine. Yeah, which again is another big track because whenever you can say the title of a song and you and can hear it in, yeah, your, yeah. in your head, I think that's a sign of a really good song or either that or really good marketing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was looking into it and it's about the aftermath of a romantic breakup. Mm. And according to Dee, she said she drew on her sorrow from a father's death to set oh, the mood for the song. Oh, I didn't know that. So she, she was kind of channeling that sadness to yeah. pour into the song. It's one kind of so loss then, or another, isn't it? So then kind of spin it so it's more open to everyone as a romantic breakup rather than the loss of a dad. Wow. But when you think about that's what she was channeling and then listen to it, it makes you listen to it differently. Oh. Like You almost feel it even more then. Oh no! <laughs> I think if you because then I started now. looking, I thought if you take the lyrics and remove the taglines, it could just be about losing a loved one. Yeah. And now it seems wrong that the world keeps on going without them. Like you can't believe that everyone is just going on with their lives when this has just happened. So the sun rises and sets every day. Yeah, like the lyrics, I wrote some down because they're just beautiful. Why does the sun go on shining? Why does the sea rush to shore? Don't they know it's the end of the world? Yeah. Because you don't love me anymore. That's yeah, the so tagline that's the romantic that kind of takes it away took, from it being yeah. about a dad. But otherwise, those three lines, yeah, that's what it's like. Oh, wow. Why do the birds go on singing? Why do the stars glow above? You know, it feels like that when someone's gone. So how is the world just still going? You know, this person's missing. your world's breaking. You're tearing up. Oh, no. Well, you're reading the lyrics <laughs> at me now. <laughs> oh, no. 
<laughs> I've painted a good picture, I reckon, there. Or she has, and I'm, I'm managing to express it. But, mm. yes, yeah, it's, it's beautiful, isn't it? You best play it now, because I've gone all emotional. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to talk. <laughs> well, you're such a big, soft oh, heart. Mm. Let's okay, play The End play. of the World by Skeeter Davis uh, from 1962. <laughs> That hasn't helped at all. You read the lyrics out to me, got me all emotional, and then I, I thought, oh, well, we'll play the track so I You'll can have a break, yourself. compose myself. And now there's had a musical accompaniment. As if you're thinking that would... I know, I wasn't the thinking. The music's surely going to bring it to life. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. Which it does. It's an yeah. amazing song. So we're going to finish the show now with a more recent cover. So that was released in 1962. More recently, um, Sharon Van Etten released The End of the World oh, in 2017. Such... A wonderful version of it, isn't it? It's quite a, a faithful cover version, really, but she, she's got a great voice and it's just been brought into a new era, yeah. a new generation. And of we're massive fans it. of Sharon Van Etten anyway. So, oh, def- like- I mean, I love the, her album Tramp from 2012 and, and we're also big fans of uh, Remind Me Tomorrow from mm. 2019. She's just great. Yeah. So we had to big include fans. her on the show and... I, found a little connection there um yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that's the, any any little Do we connection don't, we yeah, don't we'll need any other in. reason yeah <laughs> than that so we're going to play the the full version full yeah we'll leave you with that so we are adam and paula from the Dijon club and you've been listening to the wise choice podcast thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time bye see ya
If you enjoyed our show, you might also like Composing Myself. It's another wise music podcast which features interviews with composers and writers getting into the nitty gritty about how they write and their process behind it all. You can find links to it in our podcast or just search for Composing Myself on your platform of choice.